Welcome to the Twins Tale Podcast. I am Natalie Diaz, your host. I'm also the founder of Twiniversity and the author of What to Do When You're Having To. You know what, guys? In the past 10 years of being a twin parenting professional, I have met such extraordinary families. And the one thing that I have learned is that we could learn something from every single one of them. And that's what this podcast is about. We're going to meet families from all over the country in different stages of their twin parenting journey, and we're going to get an insider's look on what time their kids are going to bed, how do they deal with sibling rivalry, what is their biggest success to date. I can't wait for you to meet these amazing families. Guys, welcome to Twinstown. Zoe Strollers, Zoe Strollers, they have really innovative products for twins. Once again, that's a totally made up jingle made up by yours truly, Natalie Diaz. Please note that I even did the full on hand motions rising up to the sky while singing Zoe Strollers, Zoe Strollers. That's what you do. Like I get really into it. Uh, today's Twin Tail podcast is actually brought to us by our podcast partner, Zoe. Guys, if you're a twin parent by now, um, you got to know who Zoe is. I mean, at this point, I, I hope you weren't living under a rock because that could not be comfortable and it is probably not good for your back. But Zoe is well known in the twin world for their innovative strollers. But did you know that they also make a fantastic high chair? What, Nat? They do? Yes, they do. It's actually true. They make a fold-away high chair and it is the skinniest fold-away high chair ever ever you gotta literally go check it out you'll you you gotta see it with your own eyes to believe it it has all the comforts of luxe wipeable fabric comfy easy extra cushiony seats from head to toe and it tucks away easily what twin parent doesn't love that who doesn't want to fold up a high chair at the end of the day and tuck it away put their 20s in and just pretend that there is some peace in their house Guys, you got to check this out too. It's got a removable tray for easy cleaning. Mealtime really can't get any more convenient. And to learn more about the fold-away high chair, go to zoestrollers.com. You are gonna love it. Zoe Strollers, Zoe Strollers, check out their high chairs while you're there. On today's episode of Twins Tale, you're going to meet my friend Jill Haggerty. Jill is a mama of 12-year-old boys. Today is um, one of those episodes where it's good to talk about, but it's it's tough to talk about. Um, Jill just lost her husband pretty recently, and, you know, it's been a struggle raising her 12-year-old boys, both of who have um, ADHD and ADD. So it's it's been a lot, but she's... She really gives us some really good perspective on the grief process and how, you know, basically she's struggling too in addition to, you know, with her own grief in addition to helping her boys get through it. But they are, they're such a balanced family and I'm so honored that Jill took the time out of her day to talk to us and we talk about, you know, we talk about regular stuff too about, you know, basically how... You know, we, we have a, a deodorant discussion because that's what you have to do when you have 12-year-old boys. And it's just, it's it's interesting. So join me today and I can't wait for you to meet my friend Jill. So here she is. Hey, Jill, thank you for joining us. 
Thank you for having me, Nat. I'm very excited to talk with you today. I always like to pretend that we never spoke, even though we've been speaking for eight minutes before I press record. I do like that. Every time I pretend it's like the first time I said hi. But I always, as somebody who listens to podcasts, is always weirded out when you just jump in in the middle of a conversation. But truth be told, like honestly, I'm so, I'm, I'm really happy that you're taking some time. I know that you have a, a very busy work schedule. You said you just got off your work call. So thank you. I love it. And I love that we're going to talk about the dudes today. So yeah. uh, so you got your 12-year-old boys. So the the scent in the house is probably oh interesting i don't know i do tell yeah i I tell people often we're we're at the smelly age yeah you know honestly jill i thought that people were joking about that like when my friends who had teenagers (laughs) were like oh my god you just wait you're never gonna believe it and now that i am here i'm like oh there's a lot of febreze needed and some carpet fresh too we have to go through. we talk about deodorant a lot Oh. We talk about deodorant a lot. I just—they had gotten recently. Um, they packed up all their items that were left in their lockers and sent them home. And we went through the bag, and each one of them, no surprise, had a brand new, unopened container of deodorant from their gym locker at the end of the school year. <laughs> I said you were supposed to open this and use it, <sighs> but we haven't quite clearly yet. You could. You could lead a horse to water. That's what they say. It's true. You could give a boy a deodorant, but you can't make everyone, him use it. No, everyone tells me it will happen. Eventually. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they d- I think as soon as like maybe they might want to start dating or they realize that maybe they smell themselves. Although truthfully, because they're twins, their twin may actually bring it up and be like, dude, I can't sit next to you. So and you never know. There's, there's a lot going on. So now 12 years, you've had 12 glorious twin parenting years under your belt you've seen some things you could probably write a book on it no doubt about it i i everybody that says i could have wrote that book i say you should be writing it because then i would have had something to read so please do i encourage everybody (laughs) to because it the 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 life experience that you have is so valuable especially to somebody that's you know newly pregnant with twins and they don't know what to do and they're nervous and I could assure you that Jill looks uh, like a beautiful human being, well put together. She's not <laughs> duct taped to a chair by the boys. Uh, there isn't, you know, a skinned animal behind her. Everything seems to be, to be going good. Jill, tell me a little bit about your pregnancy and what week were they born? Do they have NICU time? Like how, how was the very early time for you? Yeah, they, some, somebody's busting in right now. Aww. They were, um... <laughs> They actually, I went to exactly 36 weeks. They did not, nobody went to the NICU. Um, so they were right around six pounds. We had five, 13 and six, one. So they were very close in size and have actually always been very close in size, even though they're fraternal and extremely different. Um, so I, my pregnancy, I was 40 when I had my twins. And so I, we did go through fertility treatments. Um, we used, I cannot think of the name of the drug now, um, but went through seven rounds of uh, drug therapy um, before getting pregnant with the boys. And so my pregnancy was high risk because I was 40. I found out very early on that I had gestational diabetes. They actually found out at about eight weeks. Wow. Uh, yeah, and I was so glad that I found out then because I was really able to manage the pregnancy well. And the reason I found out it was quite by accident, I had asked my doctor 
I've always struggled with my weight and I really wanted to know like at 40, this is, you know, really, we'd waited a long time to have these babies and how do I have the best, healthiest pregnancy? I wanted to talk to a, a dietitian. I wanted to know what should I be eating, how many calories, what types of foods, what proteins, that kind of thing. And I just really wanted to be careful about it. And they said, well, let's check your blood sugar while you're talking to them. And she said, your blood sugar's high. And they continued to check it and said, lo and behold, you have gestational diabetes. So wow. I didn't end up having to wait. Um, so the pregnancy was very well managed and, and watched very closely um, and fortunately was able to then avoid most complications um, throughout the pregnancy. I absolutely loved being pregnant. Um, and I, I had a little bit of morning sickness, not anything horrendous, and it was gone relatively quickly. And then I... Um, I'm sorry. What are you sorry about? That is literally what life sounds like, Jill. <laughs> that is what life sounds like right now. Somebody is, is, is upset about something. I'm not entirely sure what, but he's having a moment. So <laughs> it happens. Yes, um, it does. But, yeah. So you had, you loved so, being pregnant. It, you delivered. Everybody came home did. together. And how were kind of, do, do you have memories of those early days or are they still a super blur? So there is definitely a super blur. And when people, I used to wonder, like when I would ask people, like, when did your child do this? When did your baby do that? And they'd be like, I forgot. And I'm thinking, how can you forget? You forget. Um, I wrote it all down. I had a calendar and I would just jot down like first tooth here, first this, because I knew I really wasn't going to remember it. Um, I was very, very fortunate that my best friend, we've now been friends for more than 30 years, had two-year-old twin girls. Oh, Perfect. So I had been around them a lot and she, I mean, over the years we have been able to support each other and tell each other like, watch out. And she told me in the very beginning, she said, when you think it, it's bad, you're right. It's bad. And, and it's okay to think this is bad. Mm -hmm. Don't beat yourself up. And I, and I was, I remember being sad because I thought this was going to be so much fun. And there, over the 12 years, there is so much fun, but the early days, they're little chunks and pieces of, yeah. of fun and a lot of work and a lot of stress and a lot of sleepless nights and sleepless days. And um, it was hard. But you're also at the same time, I, I can remember the moments I remember are where I would go in and watch them sleep and just be so overwhelmed that these two human beings were here, um, you know, and loving that and wanting to capture that moment and keep it. Um but it, but it was definitely harder than I expected. Yeah. And, and I, I really, I think maybe because my best friend had twins, I thought, I know what I'm getting into. Yeah. But, but I didn't live with them. <laughs> so I didn't really know. Yeah. <laughs> you knew secondhand. So you, you heard yeah. kind of the filtered version. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's, it's so true. Yeah. You Like, you remember it, but then you don't remember it. I feel like I have a weird perspective on the early days because I, I don't – you know, Jill, I'm not, I would have never said I was a writer. I don't know, like literally my, my real world experience has nothing to do with what I'm doing right now with Twiniversity. But for some reason, I wrote a lot when they were little. And yeah. I just kept like these journals and these notes. And I remember I had these schedules on the refrigerator and I would jot notes. And just like you with the calendar, because I was like, oh, somebody took their first steps. To this day, yeah. I have that calendar, but I have no yeah. idea what date that is. Like if you right. ask me, I know where to find it, even in my tiny apartment, I can tell you where that calendar is. I still never threw it out. 
But I, I always had planned on transcribing it into a beautiful like baby book. You too, Jill. Are you, have you done that yet? Oh, yeah. Have you done the baby book? No, no. I used to say maybe by the time they're five. And now that they're 12, I have, they each have a bin with all of the things that is supposed to go into the baby book. So they may just get the bin to go with them when they... <laughs> that's it. When they move out. That's what, that's what we did. We have two little shoe boxes. Each of them have their own whatever baby paraphernalia from either the hospital or their baptism or whatever. It's so funny. We have the best intentions, but life gets yes, in the way absolutely. of our best intentions. Oh, my gosh. So now looking back on 12 years, you've were you a very scheduled parent? Did you were you always kind of on a schedule or were you kind of go with the flow? So I definitely thought I would be more go with the flow than I turned out to be. And that really came out of necessity for me Um, in the early days of being so tired and, and kind of sleepless. I thought, we have got to get on a schedule. Like we, we can't do that. You know, as I was getting ready to transition back to work after the first three months, I thought, how in the world am I going to be able to function at work and, you know, still stay up all night? Cause somebody was always up. Oh, um, yeah. so we did get onto a pretty good sleep schedule. I did a sleep training. Um, I had my Bible. I used, um, healthy sleep habits, happy babies. Mm-hmm. I think that's the one by Dr. Weisbluth. Um, mm-hmm. And if anyone's going to use it, you don't need to read the whole book. Just read the part that applies to your kids at this age. And every, it was a miracle for me, though, because every time I read the book, it made sense to me. I did what it said, and it worked every time. And I still think my kids are great sleepers. They are at the okay. age now where they're staying up later. They don't necessarily have a bedtime over the summer. But they're very good at coming up and being like, I'm tired. And it may be 930. And, and they say, I'm tired, and I'm going to sleep. And I think that them being able to really understand, I never had any issues with bedtimes. I mean, honestly, like when they were really little and I would listen to my friends having hard, hard bedtimes, I would say, I pat myself on the back and be like, if I do nothing else right, I have good bedtimes and they are good sleepers um, because they, they would go to bed. They knew the routine, mm-hmm. but we started it very early and it was really out of necessity. And then as we got older, a schedule, um, both of my boys have ADHD. Um, it's very different in both of them, but one of my boys really does much better when he knows what's coming next. Mm-hmm. So knowing what time something's going to happen is very beneficial for him. So we have a schedule for those reasons. Even this summer with having the babysitter coming in, he knows what time they're going outside. He knows when he has free time. He knows when he's going to have lunch. And it just helps him kind of predict the day. So mm-hmm. it really, I thought that we would be more just kind of roll with the punches. And there are certainly times that you do. Um, but for the most part, we are pretty scheduled, yeah. especially now um, being a single parent um, and needing to get everybody out the door to go to school and then getting to work on time. The schedule has been really critical for us. Yeah. Now, with the ADHD, when did you kind of think about, you know, getting that diagnosed? And what was the mm-hmm. process of it by you? So we really found out that one of the boys had ADHD when he was, I want to say first grade. So we started noticing some signs, um, kindergarten. Um, and so they were really, it wasn't super obvious. It wasn't like 
we were a hundred percent sure, but he also had some issues with anxiety, okay. um, it, which we it, it, in preschool and in through daycare and preschool we hadn't seen much of that. But then as they transitioned into kindergarten and uh, we started seeing like the biting on the sleeves, and he was a bit of a perfectionist. He didn't want to anybody. He wouldn't try anything until he was absolutely certain he could do it perfectly, and kind of. Um, not able to sit in the chair the way that, you know, once you get to kindergarten, they want you to yeah. sit a little bit longer. So just as we started noticing some of that emotional regulation as well, decided to um, check it out and see what was going on. And we had worked with an occupational therapist who referred us to a psychologist and he actually did the testing. And the interesting part was that he found that while he's he has more of the hyperactivity issue. Um, okay. So he's constantly in motion. He's moving. He can't sit for very long periods of time, but he is constantly paying attention, which mm-hmm. is the funny thing. Like teachers would think he wasn't paying attention, yeah. but he heard everything. He got all of the instructions. He just has benefited from being in school when he had, has the option to stand up mm-hmm. and do his work. He doesn't have to be forced to sit still. Um, and the schools have been great about accommodating that. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, my other son was not diagnosed till fifth grade. Um, he's not a big wiggle worm. He's not one that, you know, so I, I guess I didn't really see it that way. But his issue is more the inattention. If he's interested in something, he is all about it. He's he, he And he was not struggling in school at all. I mean, he does very well academically. Um, so the teachers never flagged it, you know, they, because he's doing just fine. Um, but started to kind of notice that he didn't always seem to be paying attention. And so the he has the opposite. So he doesn't have so much of the hyperactivity, but he's got the attention. If it's something that he's not really interested in, his mind just wanders and he has a hard time focusing. And for him, when we decided to give medication a try, he was like, wow, this is like life changing. Like, this is amazing. Um, he's like, I feel great and I can focus on what I'm reading and what mm-hmm. I'm doing. Um, so that was really, um, kind of a turning point for him and he's continued to do really well academically, but I think it's just kind of taken some of the barriers out of the way. Um, so he can really reach his potential. Oh, that's so great. It's like, it's funny that you say that the, the medication, he realizes what it is. He never realized what it could be because he never had it. Right. So it's, it's for, you know, for, and if you don't realize it, so the ADHD does have the hyperactive component. And then a lot of people hear ADD, which doesn't have that. So there's still the attention issues in both, but one is the wiggle worm. As you said, Jill, I love that term. It's totally, I can literally see it. So there, there is a lot, but a lot of times people just ignore these issues and they're like, oh, it's a maturity. Oh, you just get over it. It really doesn't hurt to dig a little bit and just make yeah. sure that it's not something so that just like Jill's son, if, you know, you could have this moment of like, holy crap, is this how the other half lives? Like, it's it's unbelievable. Oh, I'm so happy yeah, for I both just, of them. Yeah, I wanted to make sure that if there was something that would make life a little bit easier, that they had that opportunity to take advantage of that and really reach their full potential because they're both bright kids. Um, but I also, with my son who is a little bit more anxious, wanted to find ways to kind of ease that anxiety as well. And for him, feeling like he's out of control yeah. makes him more anxious. So if he can feel like he's a little bit more in control of his emotions and can regulate himself better, he does. And it has gotten better with maturity. I mean, they they think like with a majority of boys, they do end up growing out of it, so to speak. Um, 
but this just kind of gets them over the hump and, and, yeah. and makes them feel a little bit more in control of themselves in that space. So for us, it's been a benefit. I know there's lots of people who have different theories about it, but we really tried to look at what was best for each child. And they're yeah. so completely different. Oh, I love that. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And I just want to say before we do that even the any medication will not remind your child to put on deodorant is really no so that's the story <laughs> the story of our lives so sit right there we're going to come back and we're going to talk about life as a single mom to twin boys so hang on if you think this podcast isn't the worst we got great news for you there's actually a lot more to twiniversity than what you're listening to right now we have classes for expectant twin families we have classes for breastfeeding twin families we have a peer-to-peer mentorship program We have the book, What to Do When You're Having To. We have a thriving social network, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, wherever you want to hang out, we will meet you there. So to get kind of a fuller picture of all that Twiniversity has to offer you, head on over to Twiniversity.com and check out the latest information that we think you need to know today. All right, so we're back, and I do want to talk about this. So you mentioned that you were a single mom, and I know that, you know, I kind of know that the end, towards the end of the story, but when did you get a divorce? So I have been divorced for, it's been four years this month. Okay, so four years ago, and when you got a divorce, the boys were already kind of big. So how did that discussion go with the boys when you knew that this was going to be official? It was probably the hardest discussion, well, one of the hardest discussions I've had to have with them that my um, ex-husband and I had to have with them. And we sat them down and were very honest with them. I mean, my, we were getting a divorce really because we had kind of grown apart and drifted apart and, and not because we hated each other. We were not fighters. So I do think it came a little bit as a surprise to the boys because they didn't see us fighting all mm-hmm. the time. We just were living very separate lives. Um it was hard. And, 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 you know, we did a lot of questioning. Is this the right thing to do? Is this the right decision? Um, the transition was very difficult. Um, but we really tried to be very honest with, with, with them and not place blame. And one of the things that we were, that was really important to both of us was that, you know, no matter what our differences are, these kids did not ask for this. This is not their fault. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get to love both parents equally. They will not, we never, we would never say anything negative about the other parent. Um, I have my friends if I want to vent about something or he can go do the same, but um, we needed to show the kids that you still need to be respectful. We still continued to celebrate birthdays together. We wanted the kids not to have to feel like their life, their life was altered significantly in every way but we wanted I didn't ever want them to be like oh it's my birthday and I can't have my mom and my dad that I have to pick one or the other so we can do those things together we um had birthdays we had Christmas Eve and Christmas morning um Thanksgiving um and we just made it work it was um you know and it, it was the first year particularly kind of coming up with those new traditions was difficult and challenging but we let the kids have their input also like what do you want to do what do you guys think would be interesting or fun or how can we you know i would talk to them like how can we include your dad in this um but then there were other things that we would do separately so you know going on a vacation for the first time and having to think about well why isn't dad coming um 
and so those were some difficult conversations, but we really just tried to be honest, Mm -hmm. but um, never, ever putting the other parent in a bad light. And maybe I came from a divorced home um, where my parents had a very difficult divorce and there was a lot of name calling and all that. And I thought, I don't ever want that for my kids. Unfortunately, my ex-husband felt the same way and he was very um, considerate. And so I think we managed to co-parent as well as we could um, if there was a difficulty at school or if there was something that came up that I felt like, you know, what was a big issue with the kids, like then we were talking or we were texting or we were, you know, there would be times when I'm like, I think we need to sit down both of us together with him and talk to him about this. And so we would, one of us would either go to the other's house and we would sit That's down great. and still have a fam, a family conversation. Yeah. And we, and we said, we're still a family. We just look a little different than some other families. Yeah. So did your family is your family. Did they have a whole setup over at your ex-husband's house? So they had everything there. And you said that you were you pretty wiggly with uh, the, you know, seeing them, which I thought was really nice is that you didn't have like hard and firm rules like, okay, you know, you're only going to go every other Friday or whatever. I love that. And that that speaks volumes to the respect that you had for each other, not only as adults, but as a family, like you said, it's, it's great, y'all. It's really, really good. Now, when you got divorced, you said that they had counseling, is that required? Or is that something that you just thought was something that should be done? No, it's just something that we thought should be done. My ex-husband was a clinical psychologist, so we, um, you know, mental health is very important to us. We think that you, Mm -hmm. you know, over the years, we've both engaged in counseling at different times in our lives when we felt like it was beneficial to have someone to talk things through, work things through. Um, And so we wanted the boys to have the opportunity to have somebody just their own Mm -hmm. that they could talk to that was an impartial party and they could... Um, you know, I mean, and it's interesting because the boys are so very different. One is extremely verbal and extremely emotionally aware and will go sit down and say, so today I'm feeling like blah, blah, blah. Whereas the other one did a lot more play therapy. That's not his, his Mm -hmm. style. Um, and so they each had their own therapist with different styles and, um, that worked well for them. So, and they, they really valued those relationships. I love that. I love that you place the importance. And I think it really probably has a lot to do with your ex-husband's job. There's for so, so long meant the mental health component of parenting and child rearing never was something that existed. It seemed that, you know, you had a broken bone, you went to a doctor, and if you were sad, you just bucked up and moved along. And I'm so, I'm actually really happy for our children that we live in a world now where that's just as common as the broken bone doctor. So what like a giant step for our universe that it's taken. And I always blame the millennials, I say, because they're always like, (laughs) you know, you had a whole generation of moms raising kids that said, tell me how you feel. You know, where before yeah. we didn't really have that as much. So it's it's just so yeah. wonderful and exciting. And I'm I'm happy that even my children have a good, strong awareness of when their mel- mental health is kind of collapsing a little bit, which is really, really nice. So for kind of, you know, I don't even know how to talk about this, but I think it's something that we should talk about because any monumental life changes always plays a big impact and with their father you know unfortunately you told me that he passed away last November 
And yeah. I can't, I can't even imagine how do, how did you manage the grieving process for you in balancing trying to be strong to the boys or were you just like, you know what, we're just going to crumble now? How did, how did you even handle that, Jill? Honestly, like I'm, so, I'm just sitting here in yeah. awe of the, the, that you're functioning. I, I, w- I don't even know if I would have been out of a bunker by now. Yeah. And, and, and there are, I mean, we're still definitely in that grieving process. I think it's going to go on and it's going to hit us in different ways for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew when I had to give them the news, I, I, I actually said right before I said, like right before I talked to them, I looked at my mom and I said, what I'm, the news I'm going to give them is going to change their lives forever. And it was devastating. Um, and even though my ex-husband and I, he, he was my ex-husband, but and I think some people think like, oh, you were divorced, you moved on. But that's that was not the case. He was still yeah. the most significant adult relationship I've ever had in my life. He's mm-hmm. the father of my children. So very much a part of our lives. So there, there is grieving on my part as well. Um, we did crumble. We, 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 you know, I think we literally went through the motions. And I said to the boys like every day for a long time and still even sometimes, you know what our goal is today? We're going to get through the day. That's it. You know, however we manage to get through, we'll do the best we can. And some days that is it. And then, you know, other days now we're getting to a point where we can kind of start picking up the pieces and, 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 and pushing forward and looking forward. Um, but, but it still comes up. I mean, we just had our first Father's Day mm-hmm. and really thinking about, I mean, for me, I was like, how, how do I do this for them? Do I say, hey, it's Father's Day, what are we going to do? Or do we just let it pass and hope nobody notices? So we had some conversations about it, but I really just tried to follow their lead. They initially thought they wanted to do something, and when the day really got here, they both said separately, I can't do it. And I said, that's fine. That's fine. We don't have to. Um, We can do this any way we want to. And I think that's the one thing that, for me, being in therapy, I – you know, is really realizing that there is no right or wrong way to grieve. And my kids are both doing it very differently. Yeah. Um, and I've even said to them, your brother's going to do it one way. You're going to do it another way. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, I mean, they'll look like one is much more of a crier and much more outwardly emotive. And that drives his brother crazy because that's not his style. Yeah. So I've said to him, it's okay. It's his way. And, and we have to let each of us get to do it the way that works best for us but what we can't do like we're hurting enough so we can't hurt each other like we already have enough hurt so we need to let each other have their space and do their thing um but it's it's you know it is nothing that i was prepared for by any means um even though you think like okay what would happen if your spouse died or or, but the reality of it has been overwhelming and um you know, I, I look at my kids each day and think they don't deserve this. At 12 years old, you should yeah. have your dad. You should have both your parents. You shouldn't have to experience this huge. I mean, my dad died when I was 29 and it was devastating yeah. then. Um, but I, I and then I sometimes get really sad for my ex-husband and they think like, oh, you're missing it. Yeah, You're missing, you know, they just finished sixth grade. You're missing it. They have some sort of event and they think, oh, you're not here. And, you know, I mean, my belief is that he is seeing it, but still he's not here for it. And so I feel for my kids and I feel for him. 
Um, and it's a lot of sadness. So, um, but the boys continue to have their therapist that they can work with. And I do follow their lead on that too. I, I honestly, like truthfully, I think it's so great that you kind of respect that your boys each have their own way to grieve. And because it's so like old school, like, you know, this is the way you're sad. And if you're crying, you're sad. But it's yeah. um, it's so healthy that you accept them just to kind of feel what they feel and whatever. So I was curious, though, is there somebody in your family, like, is there another male role model in whether it's a, a grandparent or an uncle or something like that for them? So it's interesting. They We really don't have someone like that, but they have. So our summer nanny, who's actually been, um, he was our nanny last summer. He's a college student that um, was also their swim coach for a couple of years. They've known him for quite a while. And um, he, so they have a pretty good relationship with him. And so he actually just lives down the street unless he's away at school. But for summers, he's here. Um, and then home on the holidays and he has been a great person to kind of, uh, let them have that, that male in their life. Um, and he's a fantastic role model. He's a, he's a great kid and, um, he's a young man. I shouldn't call him a kid, but he's a young man and he's, he's a, he's a great student. He has his head on his shoulders correctly, you know, and he takes them and does really great things with them. They're going on a big fishing trip tomorrow. Um, and, I think they feel really comfortable with him, um, letting him see the good, the bad, and the ugly. So, um, yeah, so that's been really a help. Um, And so we just have maybe some other friends that – a lot – some close friends that we've been friends with for fa- for years, families, um, but they um, see some of those husbands as positive male role models um, and figures. So – yeah. Yeah. It's it's going to be an interesting transition. My my husband's father passed away when he was 11. And so mm. still, you know, as an adult, we sometimes talk about it. And, you know, he is especially, you know, neurotic about making sure that we had wills and life insurance and all that stuff yeah. because of what he experienced as a child. So it's interesting. And then he always talks about how he really there wasn't really too many you know male figures because he had a heavy female family like you were saying but i mean if it my husband did very well in life and it's it's interesting how it really you know obviously it's your parent but it Mm -hmm. it it made him make better choices through his life yeah it definitely impacts who you are and the decisions that you make um I guess, again, my best friend, again, has come to the rescue. Um, she lost her mother when she was 16. Um, so my kids can really relate to her, and she's, she's like an aunt to them. And, mm-hmm. and her brother was actually 12. And, and my boys, while he lives in California, anytime we see him, my boys are very close to him. And um, he's been able to talk to them a bit. So I think having them for me to go to and say, like, how did you guys get through this? Like, yeah. what, you know has been really helpful to know that you do survive it. You do get by it because there are times when it feels like this is just too much. Yeah. Thank God for friends, Jill. Honestly. Absolutely. I'm I'm telling you, I always say it's my, my family is what they are. It's, it's, I'm closer with a lot of my friends than people that might share the same blood in my veins, but my friends yeah. are, are everything. And so you can, I, I, and there's friends that I have that are twin mom friends that I, I've only met since the twins have been born. 
it's interesting how sometimes you just meet people and you click and I'm so happy that you have her in your life yeah. I'm glad oh, that she too. had twins too that's good so she knocked down the doors for for you to come on <laughs> in and and welcomed you into our little secret underground society we've so, decided she is the twin connection because her twins are the ninth set in her family oh. but also her college um, roommate has twin girls that were born the same day as hers, but two years earlier, her neighbors, like everyone she knows has twins. So I'm like, if you want twins, go hang out with Karen. You'll get them. <sighs> that's not good. <laughs> Stay away from Karen, everybody. <laughs> that's the word. That's what I'm going to, the news I'm going to spread. I'm going to make shirts that say, stay away from Karen. Don't go, <laughs> don't drink the water in Karen's house. Ah. Uh, so now they're still just our crazy 12-year-old boys. And even though they've definitely had more trauma in their life than a lot of people should ever have, it's it's at the same time, they're still just before they were fighting with each other and they're going to, you know, play computer games and, and do all that. What are some of the things that, you know, you feel as a mom are important to instill on them and how do you do that? So I think, especially with my boys being very, very different, I want them to recognize and celebrate those differences. And they are, by nature, and definitely not reinforced by me, extremely competitive. I wish they weren't. Um, but I always try and point out, like, it's funny because they are so different. What one is really good at, the other one is not. So mm -hmm. they they quickly label themselves the smart one or the the athletic one. And, and it's not necessarily that that one isn't smart. They're both very bright kids. One that comes much academics comes much easier for him. Um, and and one, I think interesting having boys where one is not interested in sports at all. And I think especially at twelve years old, that's an interesting. Um, people expect boys to be interested in sports. And they, they aren't. And I'm like, you don't have to be. Like, mm -hmm. he's a science. He's a reader. And I'm like, and that is perfectly fine. You get to be who you are. So I really want them to recognize the differences in people. And I think that's actually really helped us with everything that's going on in our society right now to talk about the differences um, in, in other people and in our friends and, and, and around the world and how we need to celebrate those things instead of looking at why aren't they more like me. I feel like hopefully they will have better relationships and be more successful in the world if they go out and recognize that we're all very, very different people yeah. and we're all going to do things very differently and it's really okay. It's one of the benefits of twins, right? Is that you get to have yeah. somebody who's usually so different and yet you it's it's like watching your own reality every sh every day with an alternate you. Yeah. <laughs> so it is, you're uh, like, that's what the other me could be doing. Uh, yeah. What are some of the things that, you know, that you've seen in your twin parenting journey that you were like, thank goodness there's two of them? Well, during the pandemic and when we first hit um, lockdown, I thought, well, they're going to kill each other. <laughs> but it was quite the opposite. They, um, thank goodness they had each other. Um, they uh, have... I think it's actually made them closer. They still fight, as you heard, um, but they also found, you know, the video game thing they do have in common, I have to admit. So there was some commonality there. Um, but I think it's made them, you know, there was no one else to play with. Yeah. There was no one else to hang out with or talk to or giggle with. And so they, 
they, you know, they forge that bond a little bit further. And I think they'll have some funny stories coming out of it. Like when they think back on their childhood and this period that they went through and they had it together and it happened at a time when they were also grieving. So I think they've, although they don't talk about uh, grieving together, Mm -hmm. they will talk about memories of their dad together. Um, Good. So, yeah. So I think those things, I've been very thankful that they have each other. Um, They... It's funny, they're at a new middle school this year, and and all through elementary school, they had very different friends because they have very different interests. Um, And I expected the same when they got to middle school. And suddenly I'm hearing all the same kids' names from both of them. So I said, so you're hanging out together? No. And I'm like, what sounds like you are? Um, So I'm kind of glad that they get to experience these things together, even though they do them a little bit separately because they do really believe that they need to have their own things. And we, we struggled originally with the kindergarten decision. Do you split them up? Do you keep them together? And so I asked them, you know, do you want to be in the same class? Do you want to be in a different class? They both said they wanted to be in different class. And I was like, I think that's great. I was a little nervous the first day walking down the hallway. They looked Aww. so little in this big school. And as we got closer to their classroom, they got closer to each other and reached out and grabbed each other's hands. And I thought, oh, no, I've made the wrong decision. Aww. But it wasn't. It was the right decision. It was definitely the right decision. And I offer them every year since then, do you want to be in the same class this year? Or you want to be in a different class? And every year they say they want their own class. They want their own thing. And they are their own people. I love that you offer that every year. That is yeah. so great. Usually people like, eh, this is the way we started. This is the way that we're going to go. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Is Has there been, what's like some of their, their funny 20 moments? I know that like I, there, there's a <laughs> few of like the go-tos that I can remember. And it's one of the joys that only we get to kind of have when you, yeah. you're raising twins. But it's, they're so funny sometimes. And I have boy girl, so I can't even imagine what two of my boys would have been up to but when they were little did they you know did they get into twin trouble were they acting as a team were they you know super typical crazy twinnies like what's like one of the things that you look back on when you're having a rough day and you're just like oh I'm so glad that they have each other yeah they um they actually did a bit of what we think of as that twin speak um, I don't know if you've seen that old show Taxi. Um, and remember Andy Kaufman's character was Laka. Yes. But they sounded they sounded like Laka. Everything was tuka 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 tuka. <laughs> they, they would both like do it, and we had no idea what they were saying. But they would laugh and they would do it. Um, they told their very first lie together without communicating, <gasps> and it was what they made up was worse than what they actually did. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I, I'll tell you quick. They um, we had gotten a puppy which I'm sorry, they were three and we had gotten a puppy. That is a bad combination right there. (laughs) And and my mom was over at our house and she was watching them and she had to run upstairs for something. And they have been told not to go, you know, not to play with the puppy's water bottle on the crate. She went upstairs. They were playing with it. My one son went upstairs and the pant, his pants leg was soaking wet. And she said, what happened to your pants? And he looked at her. My other son was downstairs. He looked at her and he said, my brother peed on me. (gasps) And she went downstairs and she said, what? She said, did you pee on your brother? And he said, I sure did. Oh, I love that though. Then she figured out later that it was actually they were playing with the water bottle. Oh, that is so (laughs) cute. She called me at work and said, "Um, twin A just peed on twin B. And I said, I don't know what to do with that. I really don't. She's like, that didn't what happened. They played with the water bottle. <laughs> oh, so, my. The pride yeah. of the, the peer and the PE. Yep. 
That's so sweet. You gotta love having twins, man. It's it's been it's 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 definitely a roller coaster. Holy crap. But there's some moments yeah. like that that just live in your mind forever. When you meet other people that are newly expecting twins or have little twins, what's kind of like your your big twin wisdom that you offer them? Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, it goes by so fast. Like I know those early days are hard birthdays to me are bittersweet. Like I'm like excited for what's coming, but I'm so sad that it's over. Like I'm so sad that three ended and then I'm so sad that four ended. Mm. Um, you know, so it like savor every moment because even the hard moments are funny moments later. Yeah. You know, the, the moments when they really challenge you, there was a time when they were both being put in timeout right around the three-year-old age again. That was a really funny, that's a funny age. Keep a notebook at three next to your bed. Cause I, that actually is my tip. I kept a notebook um, right next to my bed. And before I would go to bed, if they had said something funny or done something, I would jot it down because I knew I would forget. And every once in a while I'll flip back through that now and be like, this is the best. Oh. Like they said this or they did this, but they um, were both in timeout. So the timeout spot was usually on the stairs. So one of them went on the stairs and the other one he put around the corner so they couldn't look at each other. And I was in the kitchen and I couldn't see them. And one of them yelled to the other one, just laugh at him. And I lost it. <laughs> like I was like, but he was furious. But, but so in those moments, like it feels harder than hard. Like, oh, they're going to take us down. Um, but, you know, it's like it's just fun. And, and now I get to tell them the fun stories about yeah. being a twin. Oh. Um, just take it all in and even the days that it feels really 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 hard it is really 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 hard and you don't have to be perfect at it you'll never be perfect at it and it's okay it's really okay it's jill if i had a nickel for every time i tape this podcast and the piece of advice that somebody gives is it's okay not to be perfect and people still don't listen they still don't. They'll look on Instagram about somebody's perfect nursery and they'll be like, that's what I should be doing. Nobody really <laughs> lives like that. No, no one really lives like that. That took that person six hours to clean that room to look like that or that baby's inborn yet. That's what it is. That it's yeah. it's it's messy. It's complicated. It's, you know, disruptive and chaotic, but it's so worth it. But you just gotta, you gotta, I always say, you gotta breathe into it. That's it. Yep. Just take a deep breath and be like, okay, what's part two going to be? Yeah. And it, and it doesn't end. Like, honestly, your dudes no. are, are 12. You got a, you got some fun stuff coming up there. Wait till yeah. everybody's trying to drive and you, there's going to be a million more milestones to go. And just when you think you got the hang of it, they pull out the rug from underneath you. Oh, yeah. You got to begin exactly. all over again. Mm-hmm. thank god we have each other jill i'm telling you man exactly. if it wasn't for the other t- twin moms not only a twiniversity but just twin moms in general i don't even know where i'd be i'm still very <laughs> very close to people that were in the nicu with me i'm still friends with oh, them yeah. that i met there by chance because they happened to be in the two little isolates next to me yeah you can't get rid of me that's it i'm literally <laughs> like a very uh incurable fungus I stick on and I don't go anywhere. That's that's what it is. Jill, honestly, thank you so much. I know that this was, you know, I hope it didn't drag up too many bad memories for you, but I love that you you were just so open to sharing. And, you know, unfortunately, this happens and yep. people don't know how to deal with it. And it's one of those things that you don't know the right way to deal with it. But sometimes listening 
to other people makes you realize that it was the right thing, whether it was the same thing that you did or a totally different thing that you did for your family. But just hearing, you know, about other people's input and experiences just gives you a little bit of perspective into into your own world. And you're you're really a, a real great mom. And I, I oh, love especially how much attention you're paying to mental health. And it makes me feel like I really should be doing more, too. And I should. I think we all should especially for the teenage years, it's a totally new world. They're not growing up in the same universe that we did. No matter how old you are, the people that are listening, whether you're 30 years old right now or you're 24 and you just had your twins or you're 54 and your twins are getting to their teenage years, it really doesn't matter because of social media and the challenges of the education system. And there's just so many more expectations that they have than we had. And it's a lot more... It's a lot more emotional. So, yeah, if anything, Jill, you, you did me a favor by kind of putting me in check about making sure that I'm going to check in with my own kids. So personally, just a personal thing from me to you. Thank you very much. Oh, no, it's my pleasure to be here. Yeah, I think we're all just crafting our own story and we're doing the best we can. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think we just having twins is a blessing and, and it's hard, but it's um, it's our story. It's a great club to be a part of. It really is. Wouldn't have it any other way. I yeah. know. Not that we had a choice, Jill, but still. Right, it's like, exactly. You know, we have no choice, so we'll, we'll be happy about it. So, guys, thank you. You know, Jill, thank you so much again. And, guys, thank you so much for listening. I really um, – I'm always amazed at how many of you guys actually listen to these podcasts. And I remember when we were first creating them, I was I, – I always say that, you know, who wants to listen to that or who wants to read about that? But we all like to just know that we're doing okay and I hope that listening to Jill and listening to the other families that we interview really reinforce that whole genuine theory that you really just got to do your best. And it's got to be your best. It can't be somebody else's best. It, got, it has to be your best and what's best for you in your family at that moment. It may be a different best at somewhere along the line, but where we got this. And, and you know, honestly, that's what Twiniversity is all about, right? We're in this together. We created this giant community so that we don't feel so isolated. So thanks so much to you guys for listening. And I'm so glad that Jill shared her story with us. And if you have any questions for Jill, you could email us at community at twiniversity.com and we could shoot those over to, to Jill with no problem at all. And if you have questions for me or if you have questions for anybody on our Twiniversity team, you you could email us or you could always drop us uh, a direct message on any platform at all and we're just at Twiniversity um, pretty much on every one of them so don't forget to subscribe to listen to more great stories and meet more great twin mamas and papas from around the world and uh, thanks for listening and until next time guys see you later alligator <laughs>